Good evening, Patriots. And it's Monday, August 22nd. Those of you on the East Coast, you've already hit Tuesday. And I'm sitting here in central part of the country. This is a different deal, man. I'm telling you, doing this show now, it's 10, 11 o'clock here. Now I know it's all you go through over here. Like, what's this? Crazy time. I'm usually on the West Coast. That's good on the West Coast because we're always like, hey, what's going on? It's like three hours less than you. <laughs> Patriots, before we begin, make sure you're getting a good night's sleep. And to get a good night's sleep, you need great products to sleep with. And what are those great products? Naturally, we know. MyPillow.com. MyPillow.com forward slash Bards is the landing page and the place you're going to find the best possible products, pillows and sheets for your night's sleep. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and my employees and I want to thank each and every one of you for your support by bringing you the MyPillow that started it all. MyPillow's patented fill adjusts to your exact individual needs regardless of your sleep position. Because it works, we've sold over 70 million MyPillows, and now I'm bringing it to you for the lowest price ever. For example, you get my standard MyPillow, now only $19.88 with your promo code. Now's the time to get them for your friends, your family, your neighbors, everyone you know. MyPillows make the best gifts ever. In the times we're in, one thing we all need is getting a great night's sleep. So go to MyPillow.com or call that number on your screen now. Use your promo code and you'll get my standard MyPillow for only $19.88. For a more custom fit, my Premium Queen, only $24.98. Or my Premium King, only $29.98. This is a limited time offer, so order now. And that's MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. Promo code is Bards. And of course, if you're going to want to speak to the real live person, a Patriot Pillow Counselor, you need to call 800-975-2939. 800-975-2939. And they're going to get you totally hooked up. Well, Patriots, I'm going to continue to talk a bit about this weekend because there's a lot in there, a lot to unpack. We had quite an amazing event and there was a, a lot of things that were exposed and revealed. But I think more than anything, in spite of all the data, it was that people were coming to understand that the only way we're going to win this fight is through our relationship in Jesus and through Christ to the Father. It's interesting. I spoke to his, his glory, which is Pastor Dave, and he and I had a great interview. Again, those interviews are coming up. There was some discussion earlier, and I just want to clarify something. The interviews, I put some of the interviews up yesterday, and there was a technical error in the way I exported it. So I took them down. I have not had time until after this show. So as soon, once we finish the music after this show tonight, I will go back in and I will repost those because I have to re-export them. And so there was some concern earlier about people not being able to hear well, and that's why I took them down, because there was a double-track effect that was going on that was creating some confusion in the in the uh, recordings. But those interviews are, are pretty extensive. There's about 17 hours of that, and it's a there's a lot of great conversation. And so one of those interviews I had was with Pastor Dave of His Glory. And it was interesting, one of the comments he said is that he talks to a lot of the senior generals, and that's not really the circle I float in, but he was saying that how so many of them now are saying where before, and I, w- I would confirm this, we go back four years or so, th- their main thought was the only way you're going to solve this is basically through the military, meaning by force. 
And what most of these generals now are telling him is that the only way we're going to get through this is through our love and acceptance of Christ in our heart. That's a huge shift because it's an understanding of the power of the sword of the spirit. This is much bigger than us. I mean, I've gone through so uh, just going through news. I haven't really even touched news now for four days. So you know how that looks like on Telegram. You get on Telegram and there's like, instead of having somebody do 50 posts, now it's like 2.5 thousand or something. <laughs> you can't go through it all. You just hit the down button, you erase it all. You're like, okay, I, I'm caught up. But it's, the the point is, is that going through the news, there's just some crazy things that are going on. So I'll just give you a few around the country, just things to reflect on and, and what we've come to. There's footage that surfaced today, if you didn't see it, of three sheriffs in Arkansas with a guy pinned on the ground, beating the hell out of him, punching him in the face, kicking him, and telling the person to record them to get out of there. I, I would tell you that those three sheriffs need to get a noose. Every one of them needs to hang. And this type of violation is we're going to have to get harsh with our justice because you cannot hold the public trust and be in the public's trust and do things like that. There's no, either that at the very minimum, that's like 20 years of hard labor as far as I'm concerned because you violated the public's trust so much. There are consequences that we're going to have to face as a nation. When you talk about like the interview we had in the last hour, when you talk about those police officers, state Oregon State Police and FBI, they were part of the execution of what went on with the Bundys up at the Hammond Ranch. I mean, those people cannot walk away from this and, and do what police like to do, which is to bury it under the blue. That name needs to come out of who shot Lavoie. We need to know who it is, and they need to be held accountable for an action of killing a man in cold blood. That's just the way it is. You don't get an excuse because you wear a uniform and a badge or because you took orders from the FBI. We're in a point of deep accountability in this nation. Everybody's a lot about building bridges right now. And this is one of the challenges that we're going to have to face is that we're going to have to work together to come to a place where we defeat this enemy, but we're going to also have to swallow some pretty hard red pills to come to accountability. And those things aren't easy. And we don't just get to brush stuff under the rug. Because there are evil actors out here and there are people that are obsessed with power and obsessed with their own desire to inflict pain. And they're going to quickly try to hide under this umbrella of saying, well, I'm all part of the patriot movement. So we're, we don't have easy tasks ahead of us. But the difference, what is defining the patriot movement, unlike anything else, is that we're not reaching out and extolling violence. This entire movement has centered itself on the rock of faith and in the love of God. And it's mighty. It is mighty. But that sort of the spirit that we wield will levy justice. And there will be justice. It's the only way we can go forward. That's the real challenge that I think that we're going to face going ahead is how we balance those two. Because there's a lot of confusion that I've encountered with this balance of the corruption of the pulpit, which teaches peace at any cost. Versus the idea that through us, God works and justice is delivered, but we are also part of that justice. We are not intended to sit in a pew and let the world run us over. And if you look around this world and you're going to be honest, 
And this is a lot of where I was, I think it was very visceral in this last weekend with a thousand people in presence that are all getting their hands dirty. And when I say that both physically and metaphorically, they're literally getting into the fight. They're doing the hard work. So the Montana team that I met that it's just one of these amazing stories where Dr. It ties in Dr. Frank, who if you don't know Dr. Frank is get to know him because he's a patriot like nobody. So I interview a guy that was a Black Hawk pilot in Afghanistan. And that interviews up will be up in part of these. And he, he was familiar with my channel and we've met before. He's familiar with a bit of my background. We both have a very similar belief in how to take this country back because it's all got to be from the ground level. So he's been organizing teams of people that are all centered in faith and strong in wanting to do the work. So you think when you hear something like that, it's like, oh man, are you getting like, you know, there would be a typical thing. Well, you're a Black Hawk pilot, you're former military. He's just getting great Americans. It doesn't matter. And he's, he's had great leadership experience as a battalion commander. So he's able to help get people and teams in place, but he's not looking at like, are you a veteran or not? Most of the people I met were not veterans of any kind. They just had a love and passion of country. I'd take that over any veteran any day because I don't need the, I don't need the clumsiness of people trying to sort out whether they're going to pull a trigger or not pull a trigger. These people are just driven in passion by their love in God and their love of country. So the Montana team's a great example because the two people that came up to talk to me from the Montana team that had been organized by this former, I think he was a lieutenant colonel, if I'm not mistaken. And I don't have his name in front of me, and I apologize, and I've had so many names. By him, it's like a jumble, but we'll call him the former Blackhawk pilot. <laughs> and then I'll apologize when I finally put his interview up and go, that's the guy. And when I see him, I'll have to apologize too for forgetting. It's really bad. But anyway whole point is that his Montana team comes up and talks and, and they are talking about the canvassing they're doing and it's all God centered. And this is one of these amazing things that Dr. Frank, who ties this all together. So Dr. Frank is, was doing election predictions and, and that's how he, his whole story about how he linked up with Mike Lindell. So Dr. Frank has been flying around he, he's doing like five or six states every 10 days. And he's been doing this for 18 months, meeting with small groups, teaching them how to look at the data and what they can do to prove or to establish that there's voter fraud. So this group that was set up by somebody else is then trained by Dr. Frank. And then they come to the Frank, the, this festival, Frank speech, which is the moment of truth festival or event summit. And they bring their report, which is extremely well done. And it's all one big circle. It's all people tied together, working together, and all of them centered and connected through our relationship and father. So I prayed with Dr. Frank after the show. I gave Dr. Frank a founder's Bible. We, we prayed constantly throughout the, the episode. I mean, throughout the summit, there were prayer, active prayer teams going there. It was really amazing. And everybody was in that energy space of just like God is here and God is with us. So why I say all this is this is a this is a wall. That, it's like looking at a wall, a vertical wall and saying, all right, Father, how am I going to climb this vertical ice wall? And as we look at the vertical ice wall, 
what we see when we just look at it, we're like, this is impassable. But what we learn with Father is that is if we will just let him point that first place and we put our first step, so we're going to kick our crampons into the wall and we're going to take our ice axe and we're going to strike it into the wall and we're going to start to climb. And then as we do, things start to be exposed. If you've ever climbed rock, it's the same thing. I mean, as you climb the rock, crags and rifts are opening up, handholds expose themselves, and as you get closer, you start to be able to see the path. You can look at it on a map, and it looks, and you can kind of see the routing. But until you get up and close and personal with it, you're not going to know what the actual routing is. And that's the important piece right there. We have to be able to know the routings. But the way we get to the routings is through our faith in God. And then as we get closer to the routings, it isn't anymore the routing. We don't worry about where the end is. We're just in the moment and letting him guide us every step. This comes up again and again. And and the point is that we're, where we get to too often is we're worried about the ends or we're worried about the big ugly monster that's coming out from above. I mean, this whole discussion tonight in the previous show with Ammon Bundy, that was the whole principle behind this, is it even said at the end, which is an amazing warrior's hum- humble testimony, which is we are not perfect. Our faith was challenged. We did doubt at times. But then what comes of it is that it's the, it's the strength in faith, and then they learn again and again as, as Father drips out little pieces. He's not going to give you the whole picture because sometimes he can't. But we have to have faith that we're going to take this back, faith that you're going to get through this. And when you have that sort of commitment in him, there's nothing you face that is is not possible. And, and that means nothing. These people we are dealing with are the abject, absolute evil of evil. They enjoy pain. They enjoy hurting people. They enjoy seeing people suffer. They get pride and adrenaline in the power that they suck off of it. That's why, you know, when I say this jokingly many times, I'll say like a bunch of lizard heads, but here's the point. As far as I'm concerned, when somebody gets to that place, they are no longer human because that's not a human trait. And they've become part of Satan's army. And we're facing off with them and we're feeling intimidated because they're pulling up a gun or they're pulling up a baton and we're quaking and we're saying, oh, no, don't do that to me. Why do we do that? And I mean this seriously. Why do we do that? Because Father's told us to fear nothing, fear not. So what we tend to do is we start to run these scenarios which have been deeply programmed into us, deeply programmed. Years and years of television and movies and and Stephen King books, and I can go on the list, that all about pain and suffering. Why do you think they've done that? Because it's a conditioned response. When they, when they lift up a baton or you see a, a cop walking around with a gun, you immediately, if you don't have a friendly feel for him, you get in nervous. You think that pain is going to come upon you. And the minute you do that, you have now stepped across the line into what I personally think is a sin. It is to fear. God has told us to fear not. Fear not. And yet we do it all the time. And our anxiety builds up and then we start to think of things like, oh, I'm going to get vengeance on him. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to do that. Accountability and justice are coming. 
But to get to that place of a clear-headedness, there is such a thing as evil, there is such a thing as millstones, and there's good reasons they're there. But what we forget is the power that we have with Father. And sometimes that means there is going to be some physical discomfort. But if we're holding on to what Father is giving us, our process that we go through is also affecting others in a positive way. It is a different type of warfare because we've been trained to believe that warfare is done by steel and bullets and whatever else you want to come up with. And we're not well trained. We're not trained at all. I wouldn't even say well trained. We're not even trained in the pulpit from the pulpit anymore of how warfare is fought as warriors of the sword of the spirit. Because we don't listen enough. We don't trust enough. And there we end up at these places where we fear a lot. This cabal that's running this world knows this. This is how they've run their scam on all of humanity. They have taken the positions of power. They're thugs. Let's be clear. These people are thugs. And those that follow them, they're the same. Anybody, for example, that works in a voting system that thinks it's okay to cheat or to allow, that justice has to be severe. That's like five years of hard labor. Because they've lost their perspective on things. What we're really fighting here is the moral fight of the nation and the world. What has happened over these years, and it's, it comes from all these layers of technologies and the offerings of convenience and the worship of money and the idolatries of leadership and the idolatries of rock stars and in movie stars and whatever else comes up with that the worship of movies and the and the obsession about bloody warfare and killing one another these all of these things have shaped society and with it there's been a slow and steady degradation of the moral relationship that we have with one another based on the relationships and rules that God set before us and then of course you start stripping out God out of life and you attack Christianity you promote things like Sharia law, and you you promote those things which are pure evil. And if you if you have any question, and by the way, I'll just be clear because I'm sure that at some point it's going to come up. We're going to be like, "What do you think about Islam?" I think Islam's crap. I'm sorry, and if that, I'm sure I'm going to get a jihad on me for this, so that's good. I'll just might as well get it done tonight. Because here's the deal: when you have a deep state promoting a religion like Islam, which we know sees as has all sorts of fail points in it and it doesn't put Christ at the center, you know there's something wrong. They're attacking Christianity and promoting Islam. That's proof enough right on the surface that Islam itself is a corrupted faith. And most likely from the research that's coming out, it was probably created by the Catholic Church anyway to divide the to keep the Middle East divided. So it is A world that we walk in because we have to take our authority. And to do that, we have to accept Christ. And by taking the authority through Christ, we then return to the authority God gave us originally. This is the power of where we stand. 
But the challenge that we have in this process is that we don't do a good job, one, of understanding how to assume the authority and maintain it, and two, how to fight. And that's where we get lost. So let's start with let's start with taking the authority. So that's the acceptance of Christ to be literally reborn. But this is the, this is kind of the process that happens in a general sense. Not always, and I'm not I'm not generalizing to the point of saying that everybody's there. But this happens way too often. Person accepts Christ, and now they're on their own. So. I'll just put it this way. What church teaches people, what pulpit teaches people, that when you accept Christ, you now need to put a squad around that person of prayer warriors. And that person that has has accepted Christ needs to learn now how to use their spiritual armor to keep themselves strong and continuing to pursue in the love of Christ. I'll tell you very few do it, if any. I know of one guy that teaches that to youth. And he does it in part because he understands warfare like few because he was in special operations Delta and he was also a sniper, but that's how he teaches the youth. And when you teach faith that way, you start to understand that the minute that you accept Christ, the enemy has you on its radar and they're coming after you and they're going to come hard and the devil's going to come hard because the last thing the devil wants Last thing the devil wants is more people in Christ's army. So we've talked about you know the difference here being that the uh, in the other religions, it's always a me centerpiece in one way or another. You know, through Buddhism, you ascend to this place. It's like I can become a god. I can ascend to the heavens. Whatever. And you can do that through a process of meditation and whatever else. But this, when we're talking about going and accepting Christ, we're we're connecting to the body of Christ, God's Son, who is sacrificed for our sins, physically sacrificed. And that's the that is it immediately requires that we're going to have to have an armor around us to protect us because everything else is going to come at you. So we end up bringing people to Jesus way too often. And then we let them be out there in the fields alone. And then we're wondering why they're, why these soldiers are getting slaughtered. It's like, well, how come he left the church? How come he, how come he's walked away from his faith? How come he's rejected Christianity now? How come he's not walking with Jesus anymore? What did we do to help that soldier stand? What did we do to train that soldier to use his spiritual armor? What did we do to help that soldier, soldier wield the sword of the spirit? That's part of our accountability. And that in when we get into that place of that sort of accountability, we start to understand partly how we got here. It's easy to say as a nation, we need to get right with Jesus. I got it. We all do. But that's not a me issue. That is a we as the body of Christ need to start getting stronger in the body of Christ. We need to be working with one another. We need to be reinforcing the ranks. We need to be building up the armor of the individual soldiers. We need to get stronger in this fight because it's a deadly fight. And that's how we stand. And what did we witness over the weekend? That's what I'm, one of the things that stood out is that people were there together and fighting, in, fighting their individual battles, but there is an army together 
and they understood that the unity of the, of the body of Christ was binding us. And it was there. It was there, and it, because it was there and really promoted by a few, it grew stronger in the many. When we are moving forward in, the, in our faith and from the pulpit, we are not also hearing how to continue to fight in this because so much of what it is in the, from the modern-day pulpit is the process of guilt. You're a sinner. And tithe, which translates to throw a few dimes in the offering plate. And too much of what a church is worried about in, the, in this modern day is running the business of the church and not speaking the truth and the power of Christ. And I say that because when you speak some of these things, there's going to be some times that it's going to make people very uncomfortable. Pulpits don't want to always make people really uncomfortable because they're afraid that in the end, many of them are afraid of what they're going to get in their revenue stream of their church to maintain operations. When you go to an event like we just had where there is none of that on the table, you start to get to the true heart of people. And when you witness what people are doing, and I will tell you, a lot of these people are deeply faithful, but Many don't go to a formal church, as I asked. And so you end up with impassioned warriors. They become like disciples because they're fighting for God first. They're fighting for country because this is the blessed land that God gave us. And they're putting it all in, and they're, they're righteously in the fight. They're not going to step back. And they're strong in their armor and they understand what they're doing in wielding the sword of the spirit because they're destroying pieces of the enemy, not thinking that the only way to fight the enemy is with a sword of steel. That's the brainwashing. So the counterswing to that is as Hollywood brainwashes people and the movies brainwash people that the only way to fight is with a trigger or, or the sword of the steel. The counterswing on the church is just like, oh my goodness, this isn't what Christ did. So we must have peace at any cost. That's complete garbage on both ends. It is the mightiness of standing in, in with the Lord. It is the mightiness that when we stand here and we stand in the, in the glory of God and we trust in him and he leads us to where we need to be, many times we don't even know where that journey is. We don't know where the next step is. But if we're trusting in him, he's going to lead us and open the doors. And that means we have to learn to hear and listen. And unfortunately, with all this noise we have in our world and all this, con very, and when I say noise, it's not just the physical noise, it's the clutter in our heads. It's the emotional clutter. It's the anger clutter. It's the, it's the anxiety clutter that's deafening our ears to hear Lord's, the Lord's message. And when we can't hear the Lord's message, then we start to enact things on our own and we're missing the point of walking truly with him. In this fight right now, that's so critical. And what I truly love and love so much about what I experienced this weekend is how many people, and like I said, it was like a thousand people. And no, I didn't speak to every person, but when you start speaking to enough people and everybody's telling you the same thing in their own way, 
and you see the tenor of the crowd and the crowd is all impassioned with the same energy. That's powerful. It's very powerful. We have to remember the, the, the power of what we bring into this fight. We don't bring small things. We bring big things. Now, I've, I've mentioned this over the weekend, and I'll mention it here because I'm on this road trip right now for 30 days. God's put it on my heart, maybe a little bit longer. I don't know. And I'm moving through a good portion of the country. I'll probably do 20, 25 states by the time I'm done. And I'm being led to go places and other places. I'm just, as they come up, God's showing and I'm going there. I have a general route. But there's five things that the Lord put on my heart to really focus on in this path. And it's important because each one of these things, when you think about it, if every person does this, we defeat the enemy quickly and decisively. Because they have second and third order effects that literally change the moral foundation of this nation. So that first one, which just in my notes, I put, get right with Christ. But it's far greater than that because it's not just accepting Christ. It's like all we just said. It's accepting Christ. It's understanding how to embolden the armor and fight with the sword of the spirit. But it's also that component that we have to own our own peace as to why we are here. And so much of that centers, in my opinion, on our, our place where we are not supporting one another as we move into the acceptance of Christ and beyond. And that affects the entire nation. In other words, we have a responsibility to help build the army of God, not just to occupy the land, but help build the army of God. And with that, we all are having to be humbled right now to look at the nation and humble ourselves to see where the state of the nation is and to accept that we are part of the problem. So it's not enough just to say, okay, good, I got Christ in my heart, I'm here. This is an active fight. And part of that active fight is humbling ourselves before God. That's part of our strength because it puts us closer to the throne. I have a second thing on this list and it makes some people uncomfortable because people don't are doubting. And that's pray for President Trump. But this isn't a time to doubt. If you've ever done rallies or crowds, or speeches, there's something you'll note. The crowds of the size that President Trump brings don't just happen by accident. There's something in there that people are going to be fed with. Their souls are getting fed. And that doesn't mean they're being fed spiritually, but they're seeking to be fed. And President Trump is drawing those crowds. And God can do anything. He can move mountains. He can change evil to good. So praying for President Trump is praying for the future of a nation, for a leader of a nation, to be humbled, to accept Christ, and to be a praying and, and repenting president. That's what praying for President Trump is. Because when we do that, and if that could be done, and God can do that if it so chooses, this is, to think about the consequences of that are phenomenal. If President Trump, and this is an if, if President Trump was to humble himself before Jesus, accept Christ in his heart, pray to God and ask the country to pray with him for repentance for the nation, to lead this nation in a prayer as well for mercy before the Lord. 
to have the strength, not the weakness, the strength to take a knee for the Lord in front of the nation and have the nation join him? Truly humbled in heart? There wouldn't be a president in 10 lifetimes beyond me that could take that seat without doing the same. And every world leader would be forced to either to take a side. You want to talk about threshing floor? There is a threshing floor action. Every leader would have to decide whether he was going to join President Trump or stand against him. And in that case, with the president that would be that humbled and a nation that would be that humbled, you're now standing against God. Good luck. The math don't work, people. You want to stand against the Lord, you're going to die. And you're going to end yourself. Because there's no, there's no other fight. The third thing, and this is a big healing thing, is healing First Nations and Last Nations. We are, I consider us Last Nations. First Nations, and all of us here are really Last Nations. But the First Nations and the Last Nations are rifted deeply. And we've got all sorts of rifts between us, all by design. None of this is accidental. It's not accidental that those in power broke every treaty and slaughtered the Native Americans as much as they possibly could because they wanted to create a permanent blood rift between us and them so we and then stick each other have homelands and all this other stuff so that we wouldn't integrate so that we we would all suffer together be angry with each other for the day's ends yeah one of the highest places for child sex trafficking in the entire country are in the reservations and of course where did you if you track money look at where the covid money went and look at how much money was dumped into the reservation leadership through BIA, Bureau of Indian Affairs. And I have no idea whether that trickle-down was ever achieved. And my guess is if we looked at the trickle-down, you're probably going to discover that there was no trickle-down. So we're dealing with, they are dealing with their own measures of bureaucratic corruption that have been layered upon them, along with massive trust violation that was brought upon by the ruling elite of this nation, the same ruling elite that went after the Bundys, the same ruling elite that raided Mar-a-Lago, the same ruling elite that has the January 6th people stuck in jail, the same ruling elite that just hired 86,000 or is trying to hire 86,000 IRS agents. So, if we're going to heal this land and think that we're going to do it without First Nations, we're fooling ourselves. And just to highlight that point, the Navajos, three or four weeks ago, at Circle Rock, which is on the border between New Mexico and Arizona, in their, in their own reservation area, it is Circle Rock, they had 83 tribes represented in a Jesus Christ revival, as they listed it. The Lord's moving, and we're going to have to grow with it and put a lot of things aside ourselves. But we really need, like that round table, we need black America, and we need Hispanic America, and we need all of our different elements in our country, and we need Native First Nations America sitting there with white America. And we just need to put all this color crap aside and put all our blood rifts aside and realize that every single one of us has been manipulated in our own way to create scars to hate one another. And that's not God's world. 
And when we accomplish that healing, they who have power have nothing. But as long as we accept their division in any form, they who have power control us. And the more that we come together and the more that we pray and the more that we pray together, God hears our collective voices. Our vote goes to heaven. Our vote in the machines is a joke. And I understand there's a lot of concern about the machine voting and there's a lot of concern. And I get that. We have to fix that as far as an operational function of of governance on this land. But here's the thing. This type of fight right now, the primary vote that everybody needs to be focused on is casting their vote into heaven so that God hears it. So that God understands it and God can see and demonstrate that the uni- the nations are uniting. And we're doing, we're moving that way. We just need to move more boldly. And on and so that is that's essential in is healing first and last nations. And we have to sow seeds. Because sowing seeds is is fundamental. It's taking claim over the land that we're given to grow. Food, and that's wealth, because if you've ever grown anything, you know that as you put one seed in, God will always provide you with thousands more out of your garden. But it's also the spiritual aspect, because as we grow food, we're also sowing sowing seeds spiritually. And those two go hand in hand. You grow food, you share it with a neighbor, you're bridging that space, you're giving them a gift from the creation of God's bounty, and you're sharing that with somebody else as you're feeding off of God's bounty We're connecting ourselves again to the land. And we're reconnecting with our foundations. So it's it's physically and spiritually getting dirty by sowing seeds. And then number five, which is the last one on my list for this trip. And this is what I'm primarily focused on for the next weeks that I travel. And this is the message I'm bringing. And it's simple. These four things plus this, tend to our children and our elderly. We have to protect the children at all costs, and we have to protect and take care of and nurture the elderly as well. So it's not just protecting the children, it's nurturing the children, but it's also nurturing, protecting, and taking care of the elderly. That means if you're, in, if you're someone who has your, if you cast your parents off into a retirement home, well, make changes. We have to make physical changes and stop dumping our parents off into the dumpster pit of retirement. And it is time that we start to take responsibility for the elderly, our parents, as they took responsibility for us. And when we start to put this in full picture, we start to see the full circle, right? As we were nurtured, we shall nurture them. That is, the, that is the gift and the process of life. Unfortunately, we've gotten to this nut job place in our world where it's like, oh, it's so difficult. Oh, my parents are so difficult. Or my child is so difficult. It, I don't know where in the contract of life it ever said that life was going to be easy. But I do know in the contract of life, it is rewarding if we follow God's way. So we have to decide ultimately what we want in this world. 
And those five things I just went through are critical because if you do those five things, if every single person seeks those five things, Patriots, I'm going to tell you right now, this country would transform in days and in weeks. You wouldn't even recognize this place. It would be a beautiful place to see. Because priorities would be reset. And those aren't the only five that need to be fixed. It's not a, it's not a be-all, end-all, but it is a starting point. Just like we have seven pillars of county by county, which, by the way, is an amazing thing. Because when, you, when you're part of, of an event like I was just at, and to hear everybody reference county by county, and they all, and when these, you start listening to what they're doing, and they all tie into the seven pillars. Like I told you, that came from prayer and God. That's not a copyrighted issue. That's a, that is for everybody to implement as they should, as you take it. But it's seven pillars that every person can do in their own home, with their families, in where you are, that will transform the world. When you take accountability now on specific actions like these five, and everybody was to do these five. We are literally changing the nation at its very root. And that's the only way we're going to get through this. And as we follow these things that are truly anointed in the way they are because they tie to Scripture, if we're going to make these significant changes, do you not think God's going to show up in a big way? The problem we're having a lot as a nation right now is there's still too many people out here that are wanting things to be like they were, which means I just wanted to go back to normal and I really don't want to have to take that burden of more things in my life. And you know what? Okay, I'll, I'll tell you what. Maybe I'll go to church every once in a while now. That is not change. And that is not calling into God's heart. And then God is going to see right through that. And frankly, I think biblically we could show that when a nation does that, the nation's going to be judged. We're already in judgment, but it's not going to get better. What we have to understand is as a remnant, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, no matter what your station is in life, no matter how you see yourself in the mirror, if you're part of that walk in Christ and you're, you're responding to that and you're, you consider yourself part of the remnant, you're now in a leadership role in God's world. And by the way, that doesn't mean anybody just got suddenly perfect because none of us are. That means repentance is a process of life. But it's a process of repenting and getting back up and becoming stronger and learning and growing. But this world needs leadership. I've already talked about this on the other show, and I'm not dinging on a person, but I want to make a point here because it's an important one. There was a massive change and I'm getting, it ties into leadership. So there's a massive change that happens in the film Selection Code right at the last minute. As a matter of fact, Matt Thayer plays the film, or they play the film that Matt Thayer directed and his wife Joy produced. And we witnessed the film, and I, I'm, I stopped the show Saturday night so we could watch the film, and I, did, I, was, I had to ask, like, is that the film? And because Laura Logan wasn't in it. And long story short on this without getting into all the details, because Matt goes into it pretty well in his interview, but there was, a, there was a dispute as to where the film's status was, and Laura Logan is an obsessive re- researcher. She's good, and that's awesome, and there's a lot of respect for all that she's done. But this film required that it had to be done in a certain time frame because it was a, an event. In, an, in a typical, in a simple sense, it was 
a premier, but in a much bigger sense, this premier was tied to the hand of God. All of what was going on here at this event was centered on God's army. So Laura Logan decided to pull out of the film. I, from her professional reputation, she didn't feel it had enough meat in it to meet the standards of the type of journalist she is. Okay, I get that. But this film still had to go on. And Matt and his team came together and still produced the film, which I think they did an exceptional job. But this is what I see in that, and this is what was put on my heart through prayer on that, is that those that we keep kept looking at to lead us, the icons of old, those that had the image, those that had the bigger voices, they need to make a decision now where they stand. Are their eyes going to be on God or are their eyes going to be on their own careers? Are the eyes going to be on their own reputations or are their eyes going to be on God? Matt's eyes never left God. And everybody in that room had eyes on God, had eyes on Christ. Okay? And that's what the common thread was. So I am not saying anything negative about Laura, but it was a decision point ultimately that seems fairly clear from my optic that there was a decision made on reputations or duty to the Lord. A choice was made, but this event was about eyes forward through Christ to the Father. And when you do that, miracles happen. Huge things happen. And that's how we have to fight this and constantly keeping it there. You know, it's amazing that this event has brought back a lot of great things. It's amazing this event happened on the weekend, exact weekend of Bards Fest a year ago. And when I got that story, because we learned that through Mike's fiance, Mike Lindell's fiance, he wanted this event to happen in July. She had been praying on it. She's a powerful prayer prayer warrior. He, she really is. She's good for him. I, I, I don't get involved in people's relationship, but I'll just tell you that they're good for each other. Let's let's hope that they're blessed with marriage because it's a beautiful. They are a really wonderful couple, and I got to meet her, and she's a really wonderful woman. And she had been praying, and she's like, no, it needs to be in August. So the randomness, I mean, for them, it just was August. Myself and the resistance chicks were talking to him. It's like, you do realize that this event, it was exactly a year later from Bards Fest, and they had not connected it, but that's a powerful thing. And so when you think back to Bards Fest, again, the power of God listening we were going into the bars, going into bars fest three weeks out. All of the funding was deplatformed. We lost all the money, and so I was just like, "All right, Lord, what are we going to do?" And what was put on my heart is turn it into a donation event. Stop by selling tickets, and I won't kid you. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" I mean, when I first heard this, I was like, "You kidding me?" Patriots, when that happened, and it's through each of you. I mean, the coffers of heaven, heaven opened up and everything was taken care of. These events are really expensive, like what we did in Bars Fest and Mike's event, massively expensive. But it's all about us trusting in him and letting him lead us to where we need to be. And sometimes those like, and I'm using Bars Fest as an exact, exact example, that is the most misdirected thought. I was trying to think of the right word, but I mean, it's like, you're telling me to make something free when we're paying for tickets. I don't get it. 
making a donation-based event, and that's what we did. And God showed that that's the way it needs to be. And all things were taken care of. So we can't fight this fight nail to nail, hammer to hammer. It's not going to win because this army that we face is deeply funded with Babylonian cash, deeply armed with the swords of the best swordsmiths, heavily equipped with all the tactics, techniques, and methods to use their laws, their rules to their advantage because they own that playboard. But when we turn ourselves over to the Lord, we start to understand that there's nothing that they can do to defeat us because God's always got a different way. And when you start to see an army like this of a thousand people with these different resources, people being called, you'll hear in the first first or second, I don't remember where it was, first, first couple hours, there's an interview of a woman that's called, she's, and she just travels the world, I just love this story, to find the one. She doesn't have a lot of money, but every she's called to go places, and she's tra- traveled 23 countries as the Lord's led her to find the one. Each place she finds one person, not a nation, just one person. And I think the message in that is so profound. Because we have to find, we have to pay attention to the one. We, we worry a lot about the big picture of the nation. That's not God's, that's God's realm. That's not our realm. When we're fighting on the one-to-one and we're engaging in the one-to-one and we're taking care of the one, amazing things happen. And let me tell you, don't kid yourself. God is on the move. And Christ is glowing out here right now. And it was a great interview I had with Pastor Dave, his glory, when we were sitting there and we were just having a great conversation. And he looks at me and he says, you know, the greatest thing about this is I'm I'm smiling now because of your smile. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that smile's happening because the light of Jesus is flowing through me. And I'm happy. Like, I'm happy right now because this is profound. We're in a great moment in this victory. But what we can't do is doubt. And so that comes full circle to where we begin tonight. And it's trust. There's trust is not easily given. And in a time like this, when we've had so much violation of trust, and we have so much with that that goes with the anxiety and the anger and all this corrupted, polluted thought that goes with our minds, which is what they want. That's where scripture becomes important because it's the words that cut through the noise. It's where prayer is important because it's the focus that takes the words that cut through the noise. But it's a constant and perpetual dialogue that we're having. You know, be that person. Literally, when I say that, be that person where someone teases you and says, oh, who are you talking to? You're an imaginary friend? And it's like, yeah, his name is Jesus. You want to meet him? I mean, that, be that person. Because when we're having those sorts of conversations, it's profound. And we're, we are literally reminded and shown that we are not of this world and that the mighty warriors are rising, but they don't look like the things that Hollywood's shown you. They don't look like the big bodybuilders and the 12-foot Roman or whatever. It's you. It's me. It's the person next to you. 
Because however you are, whatever you're formed, God has you the way he needs you right now. And it doesn't mean you don't continue to pursue and become better. That's the whole point. But the biggest thing is you can't doubt what you're doing. And I've said this so many different ways, and it was so refreshing to hear others say the same thing. Banners for Freedom couple, they were fantastic. They came on the show. And Banners for Freedom, it's just like, it's like I didn't know a thing about billboards. And his wife had had it, had, it, had it put on her heart that they needed to do a billboard in their town to protect the children, to announce the numbers of what was happening with the damage of the vax. This dude's now, a, I swear, he's like a billboard marketing expert. Why? Because he just followed as God wanted him to. They've raised over $450,000 for billboards, and they now run 180, I think it is, billboards across the nation with messages to help people be freed from, from this medical tyranny, and they're moving into new topics now. So... Bottom line is, no matter how insignificant or how grand an event may seem, it's all equal in God's eyes because it's important. So if it's you are been put on your heart to bake cookies for your neighbors once a week and you're like, that won't do much, wrong answer. If that's what God wants you to start or be, that's what he needs for a reason. So embrace that moment of baking the cookies and pray on it as you do so you, you just embolden those cookies with the power of Jesus. And I'm not kidding about this. When you walk into a crowd, ask Jesus to be with you and say, let his light shine and see and pay attention how people react to you. I will guarantee you, if you walk in with that confidence with Christ flowing through you, you are going to find that people look at you beautifully and amicably. I, I had, and I'm just saying this because even on this trip, I was amazed that I, and it was my whole focus. It's like, Christ, you are with me and in me through this entire trip. Let's do this thing in great ways. Let's bring the light to everywhere we go. I can't tell you how many places I stopped and people are literally smiling. This is, a, this is like middle of the night at getting coffee and, and getting gas. People are smiling. They're being nice. They're saying hello. It's just a reminder of how much power we carry. And how much influence we have. So be emboldened. God is here. And we are the imperfect army that is taking back this world. It's like Battlestar Galactica original. The ragtag fugitive fleet. Yeah, no kidding. And we're taking back Earth. And we're expelling Satan's minions. And there's going to be a lot of trials going ahead. but we're going to win. And as easy as it is to say, and I'm just going to capstone this tonight is before we go to prayer. I mean, we, we love to say God will always win, but I do, I do encourage you to consider the consequences. If God wins and you've been a pew sitter or a pew marshmallow and decided to wait it out and wait for some white hats or, or somebody else to fix it for you, because I don't think that equation works well. And I would just point to those that were the doubters of Noah who building his ark and then what happened when it began to rain and he sealed the doors. I mean, that didn't end well for them. So don't be that. Yes, God will always win. 
Yes, God has won this. That doesn't take away our responsibility and accountability in this whole process. And that's the bottom line. And when we embrace that, our life transforms in a beautiful way. So much power, so much glory, so much amazing power of Christ running through us. And the world will transform. And it's going to transform massively. It already is. But it's going to be un- unimaginable when we get through with this in, in such a glorious way. Let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight very humbled and thankful for the times that we have and the times that we share. And we're just blessed to have this fellowship that we can have through time, space, distance. And we can all, and we're reminded in the power of prayer how we're so connected and yet scattered across distance. Thank you. We, we just, we have to relearn, Father, the ancient paths. And that's where we're seeking is the ancient paths. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. Well, Lord, we are going to walk in it. This is what we seek. And that is that path that we reach to you and we pray to you and we humble ourselves before you. And Lord, we, we humble ourselves and, and ask for forgiveness for our sins. We ask for forgiveness for the nation's sins, and we pray for mercy for this nation. We also pray for our president, President Trump, that he can be the man that is touched by the power of Christ, that can humble himself before you, accept Jesus publicly, and to lead this nation in a prayer of repentance and mercy. That's a prayer we have for you, Lord, that we're putting our vote into the kingdom for this to happen. Elections aside, that's the, that's the elected vote we cast. Because we know what that will do. We know that as one person of that influence can lead the many, as we as the remnant can stand with, will shake the core of the earth and crush Satan's dominions in a single blow. Father, we pray for the children. And we pray for the adults and the elderly that have just been so wantonly cast aside or taken for granted. Let us restore the power of nurturing within us. And Father, we pray for the healing of this nation, first nations and last nations, to come together to set aside the rifts of blood. Those rifts that we were led into to do, they were so wrong. Forgive us and let us find the forgiveness in our hearts as we transform and let us walk boldly as one people of this land that can share the wisdom and experiences that we each bring, that can grow together to build a new nation, a new America, again and always with you on the throne. Guide us in these times, Father. Protect us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So, Patriots, I am going to ask one ask of you tonight. And I seldom do this, but I am going to ask for this tonight. I'm on a mission to reach the Navajos. And I'm just going to ask for your prayers. Because I'm going to find my way in there. 
I want to deliver a founder's Bible. And this is what God's put on my heart. So I'm asking you for your prayers and my journey and my trip to have those doors opened so that I can walk through. This is an amazing time. There's amazing things happening. And we need to heal. We need to heal. And I've never had this on my heart so much as to know that we can and that if we could and we will, we will see miracles like miracles of miracles we've never imagined. But we have to be bigger than the problem they put upon us. And we have to find our way through the obstacles and the willingness to own accountability and the willingness for us to listen and to move forward. So I want to close with one brief story, and it's this. When I was in Vietnam, doing a, this was in 2013. I was there on a project for Department of Defense. And I found the Vietnamese to be unbelievably gracious, very industrious, very proud, hardworking, and it was stunning to see how much modernization and restoration they'd done to their land since we decided to age in orange about two-thirds of that country. It was inspiring, and it was beautiful landscapes. But there was something that I discovered we had to accept. And it was almost became, it was, it was almost a bit of a comic event every time it happened. But the doors would open wide as long as we would hear them tell us and we'd just nod our head that we won the war, we beat America. It's like, yep, no problem. Even though they didn't (laughs) financially because everything they're doing now is with American companies, which made me laugh. But I would just be like, okay, and no problem. I say that because sometimes in listening, there's the good wisdom in listening and just don't get the ego in the way. Sometimes people just have to say things because that's the confirmation they need to hear. Just roll with it. Because at the end of the day, what we're trying to do right now is build bridges. And we're carrying that banner of Christ. As long as we keep that before us, don't sweat the little things. Let's get to the bigger stuff. Bring Jesus into your heart. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us, and God will never forsake us. But we have to keep our prayers sharp, our sword of the Spirit sharp, and we have to keep our armor strong. In the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. Walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tomorrow afternoon for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through Fight for all we had to lose Reaching out for something 
Thank、you. 